Hi, and welcome to Listening to Leaders. This is Nathan Harrington, and thank you so much for listening. For my fourth episode, I am thrilled to share the conversation that I had with Catherine Gloria Moran Ayeni. Okay, so this might sound like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. Cat G is one of the most extraordinary people I've ever met. And as you'll learn in this episode, has made a very specific and profound difference in my life, as well as the lives of many other people. See, I met, first met Kat five years ago in a spin class, and you'll learn more about that in the episode. But what you need to know now is she is a master instructor at SoulCycle, a lawyer, a recruiter in the tech and the fintech space, a wife, and most importantly, a mommy to two amazing toddlers. And oh my God, y'all. As you'll get to experience in this episode, Kat really is a unicorn. (laughs) She's a powerhouse, and just being with her is transformational. We covered a lot of ground in this conversation. We talked about Kat's journey to leadership. We talked boundaries, how to organize your day and your life for success, privilege and what's happening in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. We had a really cool conversation about the importance of trust. We talked about how negative life experiences can wind up empowering your leadership and your life and much, much more. Getting to record an episode with someone who has impacted me so profoundly and many others as well literally was one of the best moments of my 2023 so far. And I am so happy to get to share it with you. Please enjoy my conversation with Kat G. So I want to, I mean, since we're recording, I'm going to tell people what just happened, which is I got up this morning, I got here 30 minutes early, got everything done perfectly. I like dressed up for Kat and and, and then we couldn't find the sound card and Kat and I were shaking the carpet and, and then it was actually in the little machine here that does the recording so you know it is what it is and i am that person who is constantly struggling with anything technology so the fact that it was here is just really a blessing so we're totally good. Yeah, we're yeah. good there was literally nothing wrong like no, there was no, you just had to take it out blow it like a nintendo disc yeah it just wasn't reading it just wasn't reading and shove it back in. It's oh fine. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I'm not nervous. I'm excited and nervous and excited. But here's why I'm excited, because I get to tell you something that is from me, but that I think it's going to speak for a lot of people. And when people do this kind of thing to me, like, I kind of don't like it. So you, but you're going to just have to, like... <laughs> you're going to make me receive it. Yeah. You're just going to have to receive it, right? So here's what I want you to know, is you have changed my life. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's eight o'clock in the morning, right? You really have. And a part of why I'm so excited to have you here, part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, and then just like who you are for me is this powerful, magical, glittery, but like also thunderbolt of a unicorn. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> so there's two memories I want to share with you. So the first time I took your class at Soul Cycle, so Akash and I came together mm-hmm. and we were sitting on the front little. What do you call that? The sidebar? Yeah, the sidebar. Yeah. And you walked in, and you're like, hey, what's going on? Like you do, right? <laughs> and then you like look at us and you go, I'm obsessed with this energy. That's that is, yes. <laughs> That's a yes. And I, it, like, 
you know, I'm saying all this like really playfully, but like in that moment, I felt like so seen and so appreciated. And I was just like, how did she do that? Do you know? So there's that, right? And so I was in and from that, okay. And then I'll remember there, there was this very specific day when I came and took your class and uh, like life wasn't going badly or anything like sure. that. It wasn't one of those, but like I took your class. We're going to talk about like how you teach, I think, during this. Um, <laughs> um, but for people who have never taken your class, it's not to call it a spin class doesn't quite capture <laughs> Thank you. what's happening there. And I can't tell you what your message was that day. I can't tell you anything about that class. I just remember that entire day, I felt bigger than I had ever felt before. And I went and I actually taught a yoga class right after the uh, class. And I felt like I had like laser beams coming out of my fingers. Oh my like gosh. I was just like, <laughs> I was like the best yoga teacher I had ever been that day. Uh. And I know that, like, I'm one person of, like, the hundreds of people who you teach every week just in that one part of your life. I know you have many other places and ways that you participate. And so, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for being that for me and for all of the people that... See, I told you it was going to be a little bit uncomfortable. No, I just... <laughs> I I can't tell you how... First of all, thank you for sharing mm. that with me. What you just described is what it is that, like, that's my intention, mm. right? And, you know, I'm grateful to have such incredible members within my community, but, like, what it is that you just described is what it is that I hope to do every time I step into that mm. studio. So mm. it's what was done to me. It's why it is that I do. And mm. so thank you for sharing that. I'm sitting here sweating, just so you know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is a... But thank you. For sharing, that yeah. means the world, especially yeah. coming from you, having taken your yoga class and seeing how you showed up for, you know, people who were, may not necessarily be comfortable, might being one of those people, right? Like, I, I don't do yoga. yoga. Class. Yeah. No, I don't. I'm not, a, I don't, I'm not flexible. Yeah. Moving slowly is not something that I'm generally comfortable with. You mm -hmm. want me to go lift some weights or punch a bag or, you know, do something like that. I'm You're in good. it. Yeah. But like yoga, it's like having to calm myself and breathe and stretch and exist in that yeah. space. It's very difficult for me. And yeah. so you creating that space and allowing me to show up. So I, so coming from you, that means the world to me. Wow. So thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Easily yeah. one of the best yoga instructors I've ever taken, like, all of the things. So right. I'm honored to be here and it means the world coming from you. Thank you. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, it's great you. to just start with yes, the love fest, right? Yes, <laughs> always. <laughs> um, so why don't we start with you just kind of introducing yourself. Like, what do you want people to know about your profession, your yeah. background, who you are, where you're from? Sure. When I describe myself to people, mm -hmm. because I wear so many different hats, I generally say this. I am a lawyer. I currently work in human resources. Yeah. I am a soul cycle instructor, which has been yeah. the most fulfilling job I've ever had in my life. Mm. Through that platform, I've done a number of things. Mm. I've created a youth leadership and wellness program for youth within Houston. I've had the opportunity to really grow with an incredible community here. Mm. I've done some streaming work with the at home bike at Soul Cycle, yeah. which has introduced me to an entirely new community 
Soul Cycle like internationally, which was has been incredible. You had your picture on a billboard in, uh, had, in Times Square, right? That was weird, but yes, I was like, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. my face. <laughs> I was in New York like a month after, Wait, and I was like cool. hoping. I was like. I was like, no, she's not there. I was like, Cat G might be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was up. I think it was up for like 30 days. That was wild. So wild. Still feels surreal. Is it hard for you to sort of define yourself? Yes. Yeah. Because I don't, I've always been that person where it's like, if an opportunity presents itself and it feels like something I can lean into, then I lean into it. And mm-hmm. then what ends up happening is I'm not really like in a box, right? Like I don't, mm-hmm. like they're like, you're, you don't look like an attorney or, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it's like yeah. attorney, HR, like soul cycle instructor, like all of these things are extremely important to me and yeah. I use them in different ways. And so yeah. it's just hard to like stay in one lane, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even really like that term, stay in one lane. I love like, that too. Yeah. No, same. No, right. You're, yeah. Like you're, I and mean, this is why I think you have a hard time defining yourselves because you're huge. No. <laughs> you're so big. Like, you're so, like, you take up so much space in just, like, the best kind of way. Like, of, And you're, like, smart and talented. And it's like, of course you can't. I mean, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I Happy Friday. Oh, my God. Happy Friday. Seriously. <laughs> Cheers. But, yeah, it is. I think that's a. I think that's real. I, I don't really like to define myself. I don't. Yeah. I also, this is difficult for me. I don't really talk about myself, right? And mm-hmm. most of the places that I serve, it's not about me. It's about the person that I'm speaking to. Yeah. And so yeah. this is definitely different. difficult yeah. and different for yeah. me to yeah talk about myself. You know, your intro in any setting is like, you've got a 30 second. Yeah. Like, okay, now turn up the resistance on your bike. Yes. Right? Like, and then my class isn't about me. Right. Right. My right. class is about the people in it. And I can go into like why it is that I've created this space or like Tell my intention behind yeah, it. Yeah. 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 You. A second ago, you pointed to that. What is... Yeah, so when I, about a year after law school, I kind of sat back and realized, like, there were a lot of things that were out of my control, and I felt really lost, right? And so I... Was this while you were working at the Capitol? This was after the Capitol. So I was in private practice working at a law firm and probably in a... a, Not probably, in a very toxic environment... (laughs) Let's just call it what it was. Um, let's, call it, let's call it what it was. <laughs> I had, over the course of four years, gained around 50 pounds. I was battling a variety of eating disorders. I was in what I know now is an emotionally abusive relationship. I was really struggling. It was probably like one of the lowest points of my life. Just life felt out of control. Hmm. And I remember sitting down with my best friend and talking about, you know, nonsense, whatever. And then she pipes up like randomly. She's like, I'm going to run a half marathon. You should join me. And I was like, no, <laughs> like these knees, you know, like these knees don't allow for if somebody's not chasing me, like I don't really feel <laughs> compelled to run. Compelled to run. And so um, I like brushed her off. I said, no, she's not a runner either. She's like, I just want to do it. And I was like, nah, have fun. Uh-huh. And so I was having a conversation with my parents that that evening. And I was like, mom, like, you know, my my best friend wants to run a half marathon. You know, I can't do these knees. You know, like she wants me to, I can't, these knees. I just kept saying that. And she was like, well, why don't you use our personal trainer? He, like one of the services that he offers mm-hmm. is to help people like work on their running form. And mm-hmm. I bet that's your issue. And I was like, I'm a young fledgling attorney. You know, I'm not paying for this. I have 
bills and loans. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like absolutely not. These knees, you know? And she was like, we'll pay for your first session. Like, okay. just I just want you to meet him. So I begrudgingly accepted. And that man changed my life. Mm. Changed my life. What was his name? His name was Eric. Mm. I need to find him. I have uh, not, like, I never told him the impact that he had because he yeah. moved to a different state. But, like, he was the highlight of my week. And it had mm. nothing to do with weight being dropped. It had less to do with milestones being reached. It had everything to do with exactly what you said, being mm. seen, mm. feeling celebrated. Mm. And then more importantly than that, he gifted me with tools mm to regain control in every area of my life. Oh, wow. And so it was a that. A running coach. Yes, mm -hmm. a running coach mm -hmm. did this, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It had <clears throat> less to do with the physical benefits and more to do mm -hmm. with me being able to have that internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. And he sort of like reintroduced me to myself. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He yes. reminded me who I was. And wow. I was like, man. And so that, I said, that is who I want to be. And so after moving through this sort of period and, you know, running a quarter of a mile in 5K and then eventually a half marathon several months later mm. and, you know, removing myself from toxic environments and toxic relationships mm. and sort of coming up for air and mm. regaining control, I said, this is something that I want to do. So I started teaching cycling mm -hmm. and initially it was just that little box gyms around, but that was the class and the space that I wanted to create. Yeah. And so your story meant so much to me to hear that because yeah. that's literally why I teach. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> Mission fulfilled. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. So you've been at Soul Cycle for six years? Yeah, six and a half years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but, that, how long had you been teaching before you went to Soul? About two years. Okay. And cool. so, yeah, but I... How did you stumble upon Soul? Same best friend. Oh, cool. Okay. Yes, yeah, same best friend. Um, <laughs> had taken a class in New York and then found that they were coming to Houston and said, you need to try out. And I was like, what's Soul Cycle? Like, <laughs> you know, I created my own format. I was doing uh -huh. my thing. Uh -huh. And I went to a pop-up class and I was mm. like, I need to be here. Where do I sign up? You yeah. know, yeah. and tried out and, you know, got recruited and here I am. Wow. Cool. And what's the, that six-year journey been like for you? It has been phenomenal because it's not just a cycling space. It's not just a workout. It is first and foremost a community. And yeah. so like the kind of friendships and chosen family yeah. that exists within that space and just really the opportunity to, you know, give back, not just to the community that comes through those doors, but working with other companies to create wellness you know, programs and scholarships and, you know, raise money for computers for members of the community who can't necessarily afford. Like, mm. it's really given me a platform to do a lot of things that I otherwise would have not had that, uh, the opportunity to do. Yeah. So it's been really incredible. So cool. So cool. So you said a second ago you moved into the HR space about yes. five years ago? Yes. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did that happen? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, um, I knew I wanted to start a family. My husband and I were newly married. And what's your husband's name? His name is Ohiole. Ohiole. I go, he goes by Ohi. Ohi. Uh huh. Okay. And Ayeni? Ayeni yes. is his last name. It's his last okay. name. Okay. Yes. And your cat. Well, Moran, so. Ayeni? So, Catherine, Gloria, Moran, Ayeni. Oh, that's yes. where the G comes yes, from. Yes, that's where the G comes okay, from. So, okay. like, I, start, I tried to separate them initially. Like, my fitness self was Cat G because <laughs> okay. that was like pre Ohi. That was like, uh -huh. you know, and then. 
anything professional corporate, it was just Catherine Moran or Catherine Ayeni, and then whatever, they blurred, it's fine. All right. So whatever. (laughs) It is kind of nice, though, to have a name for each sort of aspect of your expression. Yeah, people are like, anyway, yeah. People call him Mr. G, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask about that. We're going to come back to the HR thing. So what is it like for him to have a wife who lives such a big life. You know, he has been nothing but supportive. And I can say, too, like, I was this person when he met me. You know what I'm saying? He signing up Yes, I was already in going through the cycling recruiting program, about to walk into training. I mean, we'd been together for five months, I think, when I moved to New York for three months to train. Okay. So he was well aware. (laughs) (laughs) I was just sort of, like, jumping off the cliff scared, like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's been nothing but supportive. He's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so you got married. You've started a family. You have two beautiful children. Thank you. My lights, my heart, my life. Yeah. And... I know last week when I came to class, you were like, we rode home in silence oh, from yeah. soccer practice the, last No, it was night. T-ball practice. T-ball practice. <laughs> I don't, my husband was out of town, and so mommy had to step up and serve as one of the T-ball coaches. Mind you, I know nothing about baseball, nothing about T-ball. I live in Houston and know nothing about baseball. It's fine, yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. Just let me live my truth. Anyway, so, but trying to corral a bunch of three and four, mostly four-year-olds, yeah. my son is one of the youngest on the yeah, team, yeah. is, a, we need to give teachers and coaches their flowers yes, because yes. I just drove home. I was like, it's quiet time now. Like <laughs> This is not the time to speak. <laughs> We're not talking about cookies. Don't ask me for anything. don't ask me for anything. I need I need space to breathe. <laughs> Please and thank you. But no, just to go back about me transitioning into the HR yeah. space. I knew that because I wanted to start a family and the lifestyle I was currently living was not sustainable, did not really lend itself to the way that I wanted to participate as yeah. a mother, show up as a mother, right? There are yeah. a thousand ways to show up as a mother, but the way that I wanted to show up, the lifestyle I was living was not conducive to that. Yeah. And so I said I need to transition into a different space. Mm. So I was talking to the same best friend's sister, who I'm mm-hmm. also very close with, and okay. she said, you know you would be a really good recruiter. And I was like, a recruiter? Mm. Me? What's that? (laughs) I didn't even know what it was. And so she was like, well, let me, you know, I have a lot of attorney friends who have transitioned into the space and I'm happy to introduce you or to have a conversation. I was like, let me just do some research. So Mm. I put some feelers out. The relationship that I'd built with Soul at that time, they were interested in sort of utilizing me in that capacity. I had a lot of writers who were interested in sort of allowing me to take on like one-off projects and contract work to sort of just get my feet wet, right? Cool. And I said, okay, but first I need to figure out what it was. So I took a step back and I read every Mm. book I could get my hands on Mm. surrounding talent acquisition and diversity sourcing and Mm. building out full functions. And because I didn't want to just be like a recruiter and do like one off. Like, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to serve in a capacity that allowed me to also like participate in strategy on how it is that you approach building out a full function, Mm. not Mm -hmm. just these are the criteria for this role and this is what I want to. I wanted to be bigger than that. And I wanted mm-hmm. to really be able to pull any sort of skill sets that I'd had as an attorney and so forth and really focus on things like that. Like one thing about being an attorney is when you have a variety of clients, you have to sort of become, and I'm not going to say expert, but know enough to be dangerous in whatever industry or business it is that client exists in. Yeah. And so, and this is, there's no difference really with talent acquisition, right? Like you okay. sort of, you have the, like, no matter what the function is, that skill set that allows you to absorb a whole lot at once and to understand business-wise and be able to pinpoint 
the important aspects of that industry, of that role, like all of those skills that I had to lean into as an attorney really lent themselves to being able to do well in this space. And so I spent a long time just studying. Okay. And yeah, and then five years later, like here we are. Yeah. And I'm now helping build out brokerages across in like international spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of my clients is expanding their footprint across the pounds, so to speak. And so like I'm helping them establish, I'm a part of the team that's that's building out a full brokerage, Mm. you know, overseas. And so like that would not have been possible if not for that conversation with that friend. Mm. And then just trusting myself to lean into a whole, like learn a whole new industry and Mm. kind of just like jump scared into it. Do you know why what she saw in you that had her say, you'd be a great recruiter? Do you know why she said that? You know, I... She, it's a great question. I don't like. If you speculate, right? I, I, like, if I like, if I had to speculate, I think it's just like I love people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I love talking to people. I love getting to know people, and I think that both like Soul Cycle building community there, serving as an attorney, and you know building clientele, and just having to do well in that space. Mm-hmm. All of that is what recruiters are right like or and I'm, i don't want to call myself a recruiter because it's it is more than that but yeah, it's yeah. again but, there's like the labels of things yeah the quite, label things yeah, yeah it doesn't quite capture the breadth of what it is that what it is that i do and yeah. so but i do think it's just ultimately a love of people, people and yeah that i mean it was kind of a leading question because that's what I, what my thought was right and i was like when i go to your classes right that's the only place where we ever interact it's astounding to me how every class there are at least five people in the room that you happen to know just finished applying to medical school (laughs) and has you know like their kid is about to graduate and like you go out of your way to remember things about people right and then to not only remember them but to like celebrate them i mean the last five classes i've been in you're like yo nathan started his own business Uh, yeah (laughs) and i'm like oh my god this is like the best right and not everybody thinks and operates and engages with people that way, you know? And so I get it. I appreciate that. And you create the same space, by the way. So thank you for that. (laughs) But yeah, it's just like, that's what I always tell people who are like, oh, I want to be a soul cycle instructor. I want to be an instructor. And Mm. I'm like, when you transition from being a writer to an instructor, the first thing you have to recognize is that the space is no longer about you. You know what I mean? Like when you go into the space as a writer, you're getting from it whatever you need. And so whether that be just a workout, whether that be that conversation about internal dialogue, whether that be you need to feel seen and celebrated, whether it's just opportunity to just release, relax, let go and to do something for yourself, whatever that is, writers have like that's what that space is for. But as an instructor, it is your role to create that space. Yes. So whatever it is that somebody needs, they're able to get that. Yes. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it can be challenging. Have you seen it be challenging for instructors to make that switch for themselves. Absolutely. And I think that it also depends on, like, I mean, let's get real. You know, like, during, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you Mm -hmm. still have that role to create that space. Yeah. You know, especially during, I will say, like, political turmoil. It -hmm. is hard to create that space. Mm -hmm. I remember after George Floyd's murder, Mm -hmm. I was struggling. 
And so we were one of the few studios that was open just because Texas had different regulations and laws relative to the rest of the country. And so all eyes were on us. It was very hard for me to create that space. Like, ultimately, what I want to do is make sure that my space feels inclusive, no matter what your background is, your political beliefs are. But I still have always led with my own values. So it's Mm. never been... I don't want anyone to feel isolated, but it's never been a secret how it is that, like, what it is that I feel. Yeah. And that was a very difficult balance to strike hmm. during those times when all that I wanted to talk about as a Black mother of a Black son was surrounded things that could be isolating in that environment, sure. especially living in Texas. Sure, sure. So it was a really difficult time to show up on the podium. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... How'd you do it? <laughs> I mean, well, I, let me ask a more specific question. Like, how do you then get fed, right? Like, what do you do to... Refill? Get, yeah, to refill, to make sure that when something like George Floyd's murder yeah. or an election that didn't go the way that you wanted it to yeah. or, you know, or just the weather's bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and your hair's not doing what you wanted yeah. to do that day. Whatever, right? Like... How do you refill? What are your sort of personal practices? Well, what I've found is that I have a couple of non-negotiables in my life. Oh, good. Tell me what it is. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of things that I will always do. Uh Everything from drinking a certain amount of water a day. Uh Everything from trying to exercise, practice good sleep health. Uh To scheduling a deep tissue massage every two weeks. Nice. You know, like I have every two weeks, I get my nails done every two weeks. I don't have time for that. Okay. I try. Okay. I have a couple Look, of times in 90 minutes. 60 minutes, minutes is, is yeah, still like. And we're very, yeah. I, like I literally walk in and I'm like, because my guy, I have two guys, Scott okay. and Kevin. And okay. I'm like, like whoever's available. I'm like, listen, this part of my back, this part of my back, this part of my shoulders, this part. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't there waste is any no, time. Yeah, this is not. And I want deep, like get in there. Uh-huh. So that I get my nails done every two weeks. So uh-huh. I'll go, I do nails that spa and I just go every other. So that's like my regular. And then I try and get away with just my family once a year. And I try to get away with just my husband once a year. That's great. Um, And then throughout the week, I have my husband and I have an agreement where throughout in the weekend, Mm -hmm. each of us gets like an hour and a half to two hours, depending on what's going on, Mm -hmm. of just silence. Great. So it's like I hand him two toddlers. <laughs> and the rest is up to you, right? <laughs> Feel free to do what you will. Uh-huh. I'm going to be in the room reading or sleeping or, nice. you know, watching Bravo or whatever. Nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love the language of non-negotiables yes. and agreements. All of that points to boundary. I don't know if that's language you use much, but. No, but it feels right. That is what yeah. that is, I think. Something that a lot of people really struggle with. Um, You have so much clarity about what your non-negotiables are. I have to imagine you have some, a little bit of muscle in that. Like, how did you get that way? Like, how did that happen? Greetings, listeners. Nathan here with a quick message, and then we'll get right back to the show. I'm so grateful you're tuning in and hope that listening to leaders is bringing you value and inspiration and a little bit of fun, too. If you're finding this content useful, and would like to help me continue producing more episodes, please consider making a monthly donation. Your support, no matter how small, can make a huge difference in helping cover production costs, upgrade equipment, and reach more people. To donate, simply click the link in the show notes, and you can set up a monthly recurring donation. 
Your contribution will help me continue this work of inspiring and empowering listeners just like you. Thank you for being a part of our community and for your support. And now, back to the show. You have so much clarity about what your non-negotiables are. I have to imagine you have some, a little bit of muscle in that. Like, how did how oh, you yeah. get that way? Like, how did that happen? I've always been type A. Okay. Fair. And so, yeah, <laughs> like I, and I also have a lot, I have a lot of people who rely on me to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, contextually, like I'll give you some context. So yeah. my son is at school. He's almost four years old. My daughter's home with me. Yep. She's 15 months old. But I also work, right? I have mm-hmm. two jobs and yep. I work seven days a week, almost, actually not even almost, seven days a week. <laughs> and so I have to be very intentional with my time. So yeah. that means that for me to show up as a mother to her and to my son, that means that I have to get up at between 4.30 and 5, five o'clock in the morning to get work done before they get up. Yeah. <clears throat> and then so when they get up, I've already gotten a good two or three hours out of the way. And I can also get a workout in, you mm-hmm. know, for mm-hmm. me. I get to move for myself. Yep. That is also a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm able to do things like prepare lunches for the day and feed people breakfast and send kid, take kids to school mm-hmm. and do all of those things. I can focus on just my daughter. I have focus time carved out in my calendar every single day. Uh, from 9 o'clock to 10.30 every single day. And so people know not to schedule anything during that time. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I'm just focused on my daughter. And then to put her down for a nap, and during those three hours, I get more work done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's just like back-to-back. I schedule everything from lunch breaks to, like, times to just kind of, like, breathe, grocery shop, online, of course. I don't do that. Instacart is what's up. Instacart. Yeah. Instacart ha- I, like, if I can hire somebody to do it for me and I have the ability to do so, I'm like, yeah, yeah. just so I can spend my time where I need to spend it, right? Yeah. And then my daughter gets up and I focus on, I have focus time from 3.30 to 5 again. Mm-hmm. And I try and I get work done or when I can in between that time. Sometimes my husband has his time carved out and that's when he spends time with her. And then at 5 o'clock, I'm done. Like, I'm done, and then it's just about my kids. Yeah. And so that's when I will, and then I put them down, and then sometimes I have to work. Sometimes I don't get everything done. Yeah. So I have to work that evening, or I have to playlist for the next day because I have class right. or whatever, and I try to be in bed by 9. Oh. <sighs> I know. I don't even know if you want to keep that. That's a, It's very intense. No. So, I mean, here's what I'll say. It's like a part of like what I want for this podcast, right, is for people to to get to like kind of be a fly on the wall of your life a little bit. It's a little aggressive, though. What's that? (laughs) It's a little aggressive. It is a little aggressive. (laughs) But, you know, here's what I'll say is, you know, you already have, we haven't talked about this specifically, right? But you've already said, like, as a leader, there is something very specific you're out to contribute, right? Now, if we didn't have the context of that, if we didn't have, like, I'm out to really make something happen in the world in a lot of different ways, right? Everything that you just described might just sound like a really privileged person, right? And it is. It is. I absolutely have privilege. But. Absolutely, though. But that's not my point. My point is, is like, it's for something. Yes. Right? It's for something. It's like, you can't afford, like, given given everything you have in your plate and given the difference you're out to make. Yes. Right. Given the contribution you're out to make, your life just has to work in a particular way. And you're it sounds like you're just kind of in the constant inquiry of the constant looking of how to get things to work better. That's I mean, I efficiency is like one of like 
inefficiency is drives you crazy. A pet peeve. Absolutely. <laughs> well, because it's when people ask me like who my who has influenced me in a really impactful way, the kinds of leaders that have influenced me in a really impactful way. I always start with my parents, even though I know that's sort of cliche. But I no, say that. Here. Well, yeah, I mean, they're really <laughs> private, so I'm not going to get too into detail. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But no, but I say that to say is because like I watched my parents very quietly give back to a number of communities without looking for any sort of like Exerting. accolades, validation, yeah. any of that. Yeah. And so like that's sort of just like the people I admire most in my life have done something in that way. And so I always feel like being in this position is 100 percent mm-hmm. a position of privilege. And so uh-huh. I don't have a choice but outside of even soul, but creating anything that I do. Like I, I started a clothing line a few years ago. Family. Yeah, family policy. Yeah. And I took proceeds and, and bought like computers for, you know, students who had they like they applied and they went through like a leadership and mentorship program and yeah. all the things and so it's like i feel like i don't have a choice but to like give back like to use this privilege because i mm. like when you use that word it's like you're absolutely right like mm. i absolutely live a privileged lifestyle mm. i think we all do to some extent and i mean look if we compare the way you and i live to the way people lived 500 years ago we have more information available to us than the smartest scholars yeah. <laughs> on the planet, you know, like like all of that, right? Yeah. But but yeah, so I, I guess my point is that, like, I take that very seriously. Yeah. Like, I, I receive that this is a privilege and it's important to me to figure out ways to use that platform to... Because, like, sometimes I feel guilty that, like, cycle is expensive. And you, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like, And so while it is absolutely my intention to gift people with this, with whatever tools and create this inclusive space and make people feel seen, I very often feel guilty mm-hmm. that there are so many people who can't, who I don't have access to just by the nature of the industry. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I don't have a choice but to... And I feel like I don't have a choice but to, yeah. you know, figure out ways that I can use this platform to impact people who really, like, deserve and require and, you know, need that kind of support. So I, I definitely take that seriously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend call it a choiceless choice. Yeah. One time, I love right? That. It's like being responsible. Right. Right. For... Kind of the life that you wound up having. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So. You were talking earlier about the process of getting into recruiting and like mm-hmm. the studying and the da 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 you, you don't do anything half-assed, it seems no. like. <laughs> <laughs> you are a master soul cycle instructor. <laughs> you are, you have your, do you say your JD? You have your JD, yes. right? Like you go all in. What's up with that? I just am an intense person. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I just. Do you know how you got that way? Like, are there any like, I think kind of key things that happened in life that had you go? I'm gonna be. My mother. My mother mm. has always been. Well, first of all, I am a carbon copy of her. 
<laughs> but she's always been that person that as we grew up, we weren't allowed to just be a member of something. We also had to go out for a leadership role in it. We weren't allowed oh. to just participate in something. We yeah. had to, you know, fully participate, serve and sit at the table of something and raise our hand often. And uh-huh. I think that that served me really well. And I just kind of, it just became a part of you know, you who I am. But yeah, I, I fundamentally blame my mother for this. <laughs> <laughs> so you've always had sort of leadership roles, right? Or you've had, the, for better, for, or whether you wanted to or not, kind of, it sounds like. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, I don't think I really started leaning into it until, like I was, I could say, like there, there were a variety of organizations that I was a part of as a child okay. that my mother was like, you're like, I want you to try out to be a parliamentarian or a vice president or whatever. And so I would continually raise my hand for those. And I sort of begrudgingly, you know, took the title really feeling like that imposter syndrome was real, you know, especially mm. as a child and you're not. And then I became, I I think it probably like high school where I was sort of being related to as if I had something to say. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. People were sort of treating it. And I was like, why are you, why do you, you know, do you really care? <laughs> so, and then in college, for sure, that was just something where I just leaned all the way into it. I was yeah. just like, I'm going to. There was a leadership club that you were part of at yeah. Austin College, right? Yeah, Leadership Institute. Yeah. And so it's a organization you have to apply to and they accept 10 incoming freshmen every single year. And mm. there's a whole separate path that you take within your development and your, you know, education. And through that, I created like a mentorship program for young Black and Latina women in Dallas. And so that was really cool. And then I redid that same program in law school and called Mm. it the Ashaki Young Women's Program, except this time it existed within um, an alternative school. So these were students who had been removed from their high schools for whatever behavioral issue um, and were spending time in that alternative school. Mm. We created a mentorship program that mirrored what I did in college. Cool. And then I did it again, (laughs) but in a separate capacity with more of a wellness focus mm-hmm. when I got to Soul Cycle. Yeah. So it's been I sort of like that. this evolving thing that's, you know, it's very yeah, but yes, it started in college. Yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the one for, at Soul Cycle? Soul Cycle was the Youth Wellness and Leadership Mentorship Program okay. and Scholarship Program. Yeah. Is there anything still happening with that? So this year I took a pause because okay. my daughter's yeah, still at home with me. <laughs> but once she goes to school next year, we'll be up and running okay. again. So people yeah. should stay tuned for that. Absolutely stay tuned okay. for that. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Very cool. So in the conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion right sure. now, which I think is a big part of your why in HR yep. and your skill set, um, mm-hmm. the word privilege mm-hmm. um, I feel like people who aren't sort of oriented to that world, it's almost started to have like, it's like a bad word. Yeah. Right? Like it's like you're, like it's a bad word, right? Like, yeah. do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Like, I'm not saying it is a bad word. I'm just saying it It kind of gets thrown yes. around like I'm wagging my finger at cat. Like you have privilege. Yeah, sure. Right? Absolutely. But it's not intended to communicate that, right? No, it's not. I think if you were to say, like if you were to line everyone up, Right. Mm -hmm. Every person in a room up and ask them to take a step forward every time a fact is true. Right. And the facts were things like I came from a two parent household. Mm -hmm. The facts were Mm -hmm. I went to college. The facts were um, I 
am a person of color, and, or in, and then with some things you take a step backwards. The fact being, I'm a person of color. The fact being, I'm a member of a, another a specific community. You know what I mean? And taking these steps forwards and backwards and then stopping what you would realize is that some people are further ahead, some people are further behind. Just because of the environment or the circumstances by which some of which they have no control over, some of which they do most of which they have no control over, yeah. right? And that's a really good visual of what privilege is. I think there's a YouTube video that has, that actually literally yes. shows its kids, right? Like yes. kind of lined up in that way. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, but it's such a beautiful example yeah. of of what privilege is. And then it helps sort of personalize it for people. Because mm. when you hear privilege and that stigma associated with it, mm. people tend to get their hackles raised, me included, right? Mm. Like, I'm not exempt from that. But when you really take a step back and think about it, we are all privileged in some way. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I think that an understanding that privilege and it helps you sort of wrap your mind around what it means to use that privilege to help support, give voice to, amplify other people who are who have a lot to say, who you want to help bring them closer to where you are. Yeah. You know what that image does for me? It like it kind of just brings some like just factualness to it. Mm -hmm. Do you know? It's like it's it's just what's so. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it just like is that way. Yes, and when you can tell the truth about the way that it is, then you can deal with yes making a difference for it. Absolutely, right. And if you're walking around sort of pretending like, oh no, we're the same. Yeah, kind of. Exactly. We had it the same, right? Like you can't give sort of the the kind of support, the kind of I mean, support. That's the only word I can think of that. And you don't feel the need to. You don't feel well, the need why to. Why would I need right. to? It's right. just I'm, like I'm putting like my sarcastic. Face yeah, on, no, right? of course. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think that's why like really good DEI programs are so necessary mm. within the corporate environment, within education, really within fitness, uh -huh. like across the board. It is important that we have this understanding so that because like, there are so many ways to serve as a leader. Uh -huh. Right. Like you don't need to have a specific title to. To interact with people in a way that. It, to be a leader, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think when you understand your privilege as you are serving as a leader, yeah. it helps you approach it in a really intentional way yeah. with sort of like that veil, like the rose-colored glasses removed to yeah. where you're, and you're able to sort of be intentional about the actions and the way that you take up space. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Oh, so with regard to sort of the world of <clears throat> DEI right now, mm -hmm. um, tell us some good news and tell us what's still like, what's not working. <sighs> Let's. <laughs> you know, I like think... what's a rose and what's a thorn in that, and it can be like what you're directly experiencing, sure. or it could be just stuff on your radar for that. Yeah, a rose. I think that after George Floyd, many companies implemented a number of DEI initiatives. Whether those companies had buy-in from the top is a separate conversation, right? Because a mm -hmm. real DEI program is not really able to do its job if you don't have buy-in, if you don't have the resources and so forth. Yeah. However, there were a number of companies that did make some changes, yeah. right? And yeah. so even within a number of the clients I serve, these are some of the most diverse companies that I've, you know, seen. Yeah. And... It had to do with that two-year period, a really year period, where there were some real, there was some real intention yeah. behind the way that they approached 
recruiting and the way that they approached all of these things. And so, but when you want to talk about a thorn, most of those companies, given the economic state, are now being or those functions are now being dismantled, right? Mm. They're not, those are the first to go. Yeah, because they're not considered necessary, but they are absolutely necessary. And so then there's still a whole lot of work to be done. Yeah. Like a whole lot of work to be done because at the end of the day, one year of, you know, tiny steps does not alter societal transformation, societal transformation (laughs) and structural (laughs) issues. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, can't go on vacation yet. No, not quite. Not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> not quite yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you can, but you got to come back. <laughs> That's like, it's more like a, you take, you take a half day. <laughs> got it. Got it. Cool. Okay. So I asked you before this, what's like a theme or a word that you, it's like resonating with you right now. And you said trust. Yes. Why trust? Why does that matter to you? I think for me, fundamentally, at the mm. core of every choice that you make, is whether you trust yourself. And it's just such an important part of the way that you engage with and move through the world. Mm. And it's a huge part of my class. It, it is at the root of much of what I talk about in terms of like internal dialogue. Mm. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about, you know, in the middle of a very difficult moment, whether you're adding resistance or whether you are standing in front of your boss's office and about to make a proposal. It doesn't matter whether you are, you know, pursuing a passion project. What It doesn't matter whether you're raising your children. Mm. It doesn't matter what it is that you're doing fundamentally at every, the root of every choice is trust. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And how have you learned to trust yourself? I'm assuming you've learned to trust yourself. Yeah, I mean, listen, it is a conversation. It's very Uh intentional. You know, there have been times where I haven't trusted myself. And, you know, you have to step back and just recognize, like, you could have, like, I, uh, anytime fear or doubt or imposter syndrome or any of that sort of plays in the way that you are interacting or showing up, that is evidence of you not trusting yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I first became a recruiter, I had a really big (laughs) role. I had a role in building a function for a big client. And the entire time I felt like a spotlight was on me. Like she, (laughs) you know, she just read a couple of books. (laughs) You know, like I can see the sweat beads on your brow. And so I sat there and there was some pushback between stakeholders, right? And Uh so, like we as we were talking about the strategy of how we were going to build this particular function, myself Uh and my recruiting partners were receiving a lot of pushback from the stakeholders. They weren't clear on what the strategy was. And because I didn't trust myself in that moment, even though I was very clear on the strategy and had a number of ideas to sort of assuage many of their concerns. I sat there silently. I didn't say anything. And so, right, and so like my my partners were just kind of trying to figure out, like, oh, well, you know, what if we do, you know, uh, or we could do that. And it was just very, so badly wanted to say something, but then that voice that said, you're not supposed to be here, had me silent. And mm. so I, afterwards, we had a sync with just the recruiting team. Mm. And I was like, well... What if we do this? And they were like, why didn't you say that? (laughs) And so it was just, you know, it was a wake up call for me. And it was just like, I think that as we continue to grow, as we continue to evolve, as we continue to show up in just different spaces that you have to constantly, you have to continue remind yourself fundamentally of who you are, what you're capable of, and to, you know, take that second and really make sure that, like, I'll also say this, I'm like, when it comes to, 
anything, I generally over-prepare. Great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Really over-prepare. Just if I lack confidence in something, I'm like, I'm just going to practice and just over-prepare. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so when I when you've practiced and over-prepared, you have no reason not to trust yourself. Mm. And so that has sort of been my yeah, approach when, to things. And that was a lesson learned. Like, I should have trusted myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's like a whole there's a whole other conversation around preparing, Ooh, like, yeah. which we like we do rob ourselves of the opportunity to fully show up when we don't mm-hmm. carve out and organize our lives in a way that we have the ability to do Absolutely. that. So can I infer from this example, I think it's a great example how n- not trusting yourself yeah. shows up. Yeah. So if you could like wave a magic wand and go back and doing it, is a part of what that would look like is like you just would have spoken up? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that would have looked like me knowing that I had literally drafted strategy. For, like I not only read about this particular function not only served and participated in a function like that on the legal side with a separate client, Yeah, I would have sat back. What you do is you ensure that the stakeholders feel heard. Mm. I hear you. I understand your concerns. This is what we propose. And then make sure that there is like a linear a conversation to where they understand step by step what the process looks like. Because I think that's what we were struggling to do is really show them that they could trust us Mm. to do our jobs and that, you know, we had already done the footwork. And so, yes, it would have been me stepping up and demonstrating to them Mm. all of the preparation (laughs) done and, you know, like help them and help clarify. So we we eventually did. Yeah. We had a follow-up meeting a couple of days later and everything was fine. We built the function. It was good. Great. Great. You've talked several times about self-talk, how you talk to yourself. Mm. Um, there's a level of, I feel like, self-awareness that to even know that you have self-talk. <laughs> right? Like some people are walking around with like the voice of their head kind of talking to them all day long. And it's like this this guy that I follow, he says this, it's like you have a an insane person following you to every room in your house all day long. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. And you don't even really know that they're there, right? That's hilarious. So how did you sort of develop the self-awareness to, to be able to distinguish one voice the sort of the devil, if you will. Mm. <laughs> and, That's the saboteur. Yeah, the inner saboteur <laughs> and like who you are, who you really are. How did you come to learn that about yourself? That was twofold. That was my relationship with the personal trainer. Those were tools that he, like, he, it was almost like he was a mind reader. Like, he could see yeah. me in the process of doing something hard, doubting myself. Yeah. He could see me stepping up to something he'd asked me to do and me already deciding I wasn't capable of it. And so he would speak to that voice and I'm like, hey, how'd you know I was thinking that, you know? (laughs) And so to replace that voice with words of encouragement, serving as an asset, not as a liability, ensuring Mm -hmm. that, you know, that soundtrack, that's that being intentional about the soundtrack to some extent, like because we are all human and subject to a number of influences, all of us face insecurities and, you know, imposter syndromes and whatever throughout probably every day, right? Right, right? But to be aware of what those, not only what the triggers are, but to be able to replace them, it is a constant, it's a practice. It's not something that I've mastered, or I think probably anyone who has like, you know, <laughs> it's not like a pure narcissist, right? <laughs> right, right. I think it's a skill set. And then now it's just 
a matter of there are certain words or certain phrases I think that we all have. Like, I know my words, I can't. If I hear the words, I can't. If I think the words, I can't. If those words take up space within me, that is life telling me I need to take a second. I need to pause. Right. I need to reflect on the things that I'm proud of, the things that I've done to remind myself what it is I'm capable of. And even if what's in front of me is not performed perfectly, if I take a step towards it, I'm going to celebrate whatever that step Mm. looks like. And so having that kind of conversation. Y'all, this is what it's like to be in her class. No. So you know, it's like she starts going and it just like reaches through to you. It's like you're a master oh orator of the human experience, right? And oh it's not like God, Eric stop. was also, yes, right? Yes, he was so but good, it, yeah. So, so that's like my my meta description yeah. of what's going on right now. But, but yes, yeah, like you have to be like tuned in to what's going on with you, right? Because it's so, it can be so subtle and insidious, right? Like the I can't. Mine is like my biggest one, like the most uh, harmful, I'll say one, Mm. is they don't love me, right? If I get stuck inside of the anything that Akash is doing, is a demonstration of him yes. not loving me. Mm. Game over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need a timeout because yeah. that is not over there with him. That's right. going on between, between me. my ears. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, it's funny. When you said trust, I was like, well, I don't know, like, how much, like, I, how much experience I have with trust or how much that's been, like, the answer for me. But just sitting right here with you, I remember there was maybe like a six month period when in your classes, I don't know, I haven't heard you speak to this directly recently, mm-hmm. but you were like, you got to say to yourself, I can, got, yeah, I got, got this. this. Yeah. I trust myself. Yes, that's right. It. That's it. And that became my mantra that's for it. like those whole six months. Yes. Right. When people say, well, how do you do it? Like, cause you get obsessed with like the how literally you just say that to yep. yourself. That's like it. you start with that. Yes. That's absolutely it. I think that, And I'm going to take a step further. Yeah, please. Like, I think that we all, as people, have a tendency to set boundaries within what it is that we are capable of, right? We define ourselves in a very Mm. specific way. Mm. And generally speaking, that person that makes those decisions does not exist the next day. Mm. So let me tell you what I mean by Mm. that. Two weeks ago, when I decided that I was not capable of whatever ABC, I've grown in those two weeks. You know what I mean? Mm, And so when you establish those limitations, that's Mm. exactly what they become limitations. And many Mm. times they're arbitrary. Mm. And so that this kind of self-talk really helps influence. It helps you do two things. One, Mm. right? One, you reassess whatever the boundaries are, because it can be so small as in a class during a hill. I only turn it three times. Mm. That negates all of the growth that you have done over Mm. the last Mm. month. But every single time I'm on a hill, I only turn it three times. Mm. And I can guarantee if you do it in that class, you do it outside outside those four walls, right? Mm. And so continually reassessing, meeting an opportunity where it is, recognizing where you are standing in your own way, like those are the types of skill sets and the types of tools that I try to speak to in class, but that the root of all of them is exactly what you just said. Like, Mm. I've got this. Like, anytime you say, I can't, any kind of time you say this isn't for me, the timing isn't right, when you're making excuses, I'm scared, you know, I'm alone, whatever it is, whatever like the root of the fear itself is, that is an, that is evidence of not trusting yourself. That mm. is an opportunity to stop. It is an opportunity to reflect. It is an opportunity to remind yourself 
what it is that you've already accomplished mm-hmm. because none of us got here by chance. None of us got here by fluke. Every last one of us had to fight. <laughs> You're making me cry. Oh my like, God, I, need a, <laughs> I need a tissue. We don't have any spirits. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was just so beautiful. No, and it's like so people need to hear that and people need to know that all of the messiness of that yes. is okay, yes. right? Like, it's a part of it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, a part of, like, why your words land so powerfully is because it's like we can tell you've been there, mm. right? And that you're still there, right? Oh, There's yeah, like ways that you're still I, working it, right? I, live, I'm, I teach the class that I need to take. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it is, while it's not about me and while, like, my messaging is very general, I'm not, like reviewing like things I hate like when I walk into a class and it feels like somebody just took like an Instagram meme and just they're just repeating that you know what I'm <laughs> what saying yeah, yeah, yeah I'm dude. like don't do that just push play like yeah. you know just yeah. I know you've been through some things talk about that but yeah so like that that is that is important to like create a space where people can it's the tools it's yeah. the tools at yeah. the end of the day it's about the tools it's not just about what's happening in that class on the bike but how you can really use those tools outside of those four walls. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and the thing that you were saying about, like, negating mm. what you've done in the past, I think to bring the example back with, like, when you didn't speak up in that yep. meeting, is, like, what got negated was the preparation you did. That. that. You actually did have something to say, Absolutely. and it wasn't, like, some, what's the word, like, just, like, a feeling or a thought no. that you had, right? No. Like, you, there was concrete Absolutely. time on your calendar that you prepared for that meeting. And why right? didn't I say it? Because I didn't trust myself. Yeah, 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 and I think yeah. that happens so often I can't even, you know, not, like, from personal experience, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much growth that we've done, like, especially over the last few years, mm. going through a pandemic and all of these economic issues and political and whatever. Like, if you are alive and aware and focused it is difficult to say that you didn't experience some level of growth. And you have to honor that growth by choosing not to doubt yourself. Yeah. And it is a choice. Yeah. Right? Like, you have to honor all of the growth that you have undergone over the last few years, that personal development, by leaning in and trusting yourself mm. enough to struggle. Yeah. Trusting yourself enough to jump, yeah. trusting yourself enough to take risks, trusting yourself enough to fight past whatever arbitrary standard that you set for yourself, because that version of you that set that standard no longer exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. It There's a little bit of like being willing to sort of rediscover yourself yep. now, yes. like who you are now. Yes, yes. That's what I said, Eric, reintroduced me to myself. Yeah, yeah. I Well, I guess uh, I think a point to land, and just in case it's not, like, obvious for people, is, like, there's a little bit of, like, that's the how of leadership, mm. right? Is, like, because if you look out in the world and there's, like, a leader that inspires you, the only difference in you and them Right. Like you being like the listener who's like, yeah, I have something I want to contribute. I want to step into my next thing. Mm -hmm. Right. The only difference between you and them is that they made the choice to trust themselves. Right. They made the choice to either do the work to prepare. Right. Or to then when it came time to to raise their hand or step forward or speak up, that they did that. But I think fundamentally Uh that, that 
What you just said is so powerful mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, what that means is that you have an opportunity to redefine yourself every single day. And if you understand that that's the difference, that tr- trust is a choice, then you get to choose to trust yourself. That is actively a practice that is you literally stepping back and saying, what am I proud of? I'm proud of the, I don't know, the degree that I received. I'm proud of the children that I've raised. I am proud of serving as a rock in whatever relationship. I am proud of the sacrifices that I made to make sure that my partner feels supported. I am proud of, you know, and you listing those things, recognizing that all of those things are evidence to why it is that you should trust yourself in this moment. Yeah. Reminding yourself of who you are. What's something about you that you're proud of? I'm proud of my children. Oh. (laughs) Like they, I mean, it's, they are just lights and highlights and just these. They're magical, right? They are. They have these like beautiful minds and these creative spirits and like just these, like the way that they experience the world. It is the most fulfilling thing I have ever done. Create these children. And both of them, like, (laughs) even, like, even especially my youngest, like, her birth itself was just traumatic. And Mm, so, like, mm. I look at her, she is a little miracle. And my son is just this ball of joy. (laughs) He is the most (laughs) joyful little being on earth. And so I... I'm so proud of both of them. Do you look at them and go, I did that? Absolutely. Uh. Every single day, I go to sleep and then I'm like looking through pictures and videos that I've taken. I'm that mom. Yeah. So, yes, I'm pretty obsessed with them. That's great. (laughs) Is there anything that you're proud of yourself now, like that you appreciate yourself for now that like it was a challenge? This might be a dead end, by the way. If you don't see something, that's okay, right? But that you're proud of yourself for now or you appreciate yourself for now, that it was a challenge for you to get there. Absolutely. Can you think of something? Yeah. I I spoke a little bit about this before I met Eric, but, you know, moving through eating disorders Mm. and feeling outside of my body and feeling out of control and just feeling lost. And that was a season of my life that informs Mm. the way that I interact with and show up for people. And mm. most of my relationships are informed so- somehow by that period. It's a very formative time. So you can actually kind of appreciate that season yes. in a way. And and then I also imagine like appreciate yourself for the moving growth. through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Not knowing it's, it, you know, and I think a lot of people who have experienced similar things where they've had <clears throat> moments of darkness where you can't really see the end of the tunnel. Yeah. The light at the end of the tunnel yeah. where you feel like lost or just turning in circles and we're not really sure what direction to go and you feel trapped, so to speak. Yeah. To move out of that season was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. And there were a number of people that played into my ability to do so, right? This wasn't just like a me thing. But I am proud of the steps that I was able to take. Yeah. In order to transition out of that season for That's sure. Great. You can appreciate the support that you have. Absolutely. And not negate your own Absolutely. contribution to that. When I was uh, 30, so... 12 years ago now, (laughs) I had a psychotic break that ended me up in the hospital. And yoga and a mild mood stabilizer turned my life around. My goodness. And I can look back on that and now go like, that was one of, it's not accurate to say it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. But like, 
my ability, like there's just nothing that can surprise me about people anymore, yeah. Yeah. right? And there's nothing that can um, make me like think less of anybody. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing. Yeah. And um, and I really do see that as like sort of this sort of great thing that I have in my tool belt or just in my experience that allows yeah. me to contribute to people and to connect to people and absolutely and i appreciate it now yeah same that's exactly how i felt i think yeah. you said it far more artfully that's exactly nah, how i feel that was, <laughs> was beautiful just jiving with you cool okay i want to do some like rapid fire questions okay Go for just it. okay so if you had a billboard on that like i10 corridor let's imagine <laughs> <laughs> and you could write one thing like what would you tell people what would be your message what would you put uh, on trust it? yourself enough to struggle I think I said that earlier. Ooh, yeah. I, if you said that that way, I didn't hear it. Yeah. Trust yourself enough to struggle. Yes. It's brilliant. So much growth in that. It's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. If you could tell 18-year-old Kat, 18-ish, <laughs> if you could tell her something, what would you tell her? I would say, Kat, listen, girl, put the tweezers down. Nope. <laughs> Your eyebrows <laughs> will suffer for that. <laughs> I would say uh, drink more water. And no, I would tell Kat that what you feel are crises now will mm. ultimately mm. help inform yeah. the way that you move through the world. And so just continue to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And yeah, you got this. That's great. Yeah. You got this. You can. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course you can. Of course you can. Cool. What's your favorite kind of cookie? My favorite kind of cookie is shortbread. Those girls. Really? Listen, okay. I could eat an entire girl scout. I don't know. I don't think they're called shortbread cookies anymore. I don't know what they're I know which one you're talking about, though. But they're yeah. crack. That's, I have to. <laughs> I could eat in a full box easily in one sitting. It's uh -huh. a problem. Uh -huh. So I don't purchase those anymore. You, I, I got it. Do you like with milk? No. Or just coffee? I, just, just by themselves? By themselves. I don't, with anything, Nate. Okay. okay? It doesn't like, matter. Nothing makes it, it worse. It doesn't matter. Nothing makes it worse <laughs> with anything. Uh, cool. Any upcoming travel or any recent travel that was fun and exciting? Yeah, my husband and I just got back from Napa Valley for our anniversary, which was Ooh. fun. We love a good glass of wine. Okay. And I think upcoming travel, we don't have anything for sure on the books, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to do Vegas to see Usher oh. with does he have some like of a, my besties. What do they call that? A residency. A residency? He does. And apparently it is oh. phenomenal. Wow. So same best friend. Okay. It's her birthday in July and so we're going to try and oh, come go on. for her birthday. Yeah. Oh, that'll be awesome. It'll be great. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Cool. Where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at C underscore Glory Love. They can find me on the Equinox X app under Cat G. You can take some of my classes there. Yeah. And yeah, or you can find me at Soul Cycle in Houston. Yeah, River Oaks. Yes, River Oaks. Kirby and Westheimer. Absolutely. You, and you teach like four times a week now. Oh, really? That's it, yeah. So I teach Tuesday, okay. Thursday, 6.30 in the morning. I teach Saturdays, 9.30 in the morning. And then I teach a soul hit class on Sundays at 1.30 p.m. Cool. And I'll sub sometimes, but okay. speaking bandwidth-wise, that's what I have What'd you have right now? For. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah. so definitely, if you're in Houston, go check out Kat G's class. It's amazing, as we've said 20 times already on oh this God, podcast. And is there anything else, like, in the world that you think people should go check out? I don't know, like, anything that's, that I don't know, books or podcasts or... Yeah. In your life that you want to shout out or... I just read Michelle Obama's 
the light. We, yeah. Oh, I haven't so read good. that one yet. It's so I've read good. Becoming, but okay. Bre- Becoming is also awesome. excellent. Okay. I went to her book tour, which was fabulous. Oh, no way. But yeah, I'd say I, you know, I've been really following closely some of these young leaders on social media, like mm. Greta Thunberg. And, mm. you know, I've been really infl- or inspired by a lot of the youth who are rising up and creating movements surrounding gun violence and just... So I'm very much so inspired by that. So I mm. encourage other people to sort of pay attention to these. These kids have something to say. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Very cool. Well, thank you. Thank like, you. Just from the bottom of my heart. Thank this you was for having me. Everything I wanted it to be. Like, oh my this gosh, is I love you. Perfect. Perfect. I love you so I'm much. I'm so honored to even be here. So thank yeah. you. I, I don't take lightly that you gave me <laughs> this amount of <laughs> oh, time. You're fine. You know? <laughs> and for yeah. you, Nate. Oh, thank you. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, so just thank you, and I can't wait for people to get to hear and experience you at this level. So Thank you. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Yeah, you too. You too. All right, y'all. Nathan here one more time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode was valuable for you and really worth your time. If you'd like to get more inspiring content to empower you as a leader like this, please sign up for my bi-monthly newsletter by clicking the link in the show notes. You can also find me on LinkedIn by typing Nathan Harrington Coaching in the search bar. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please go and review it on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. Additionally, if you wouldn't mind, share this episode with one or two people in your life that you think it might make a difference for. Believe it or not, this type of thing really does make a difference for entrepreneurs like myself. Thanks again for being here, and I'll see you again next time for Listening to Leaders. Listening to Leaders.